much of the praise, all of the praise. God, you're worthy of all the glory. One more time. Lord, we give you glory. We give you yes. glory. Hallelujah. We give you glory in the place, Lord. We give you all the honor, God. We give you all of the praise. Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory. Has he done anything for you this week? Oh, hallelujah. Did he wake you up this morning? Did he give you a heart to worship this morning? Oh, my God is good. My God is good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place this morning. It's so refreshing to come to a church where you can feel the Spirit of God moving among the people. You say, well, well, ain't that like that in every church? No, it's not. I'm sad to say that I go to a lot of churches across this state. And there's a lot of churches that I feel burdened when I walk inside. But I tell you, I can just feel the Spirit of the Lord in this people today. And so I just honor His presence in this place today. I give you glory in this place today, God. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you will touch the hearts of the people here. Father, I pray that you'll walk up and down the aisles of this church, God. Open up our ears and our hearts to receive a word this morning, Father. Lord, I pray for an anointing upon me, God, to be able to preach this word effectively, God, that you put into my heart. God, I pray that you be exalted among us in this place, God, that you be high and lifted up, Lord, that you can draw all men unto yourself today. God, we give you glory in this place today, God. Be exalted among your people in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. Praise God. I want to start off this morning by giving Pastor Gore, although he's out of town, I want to publicly uh, thank him and give him honor for having me to come and speak to you this morning. I never take it lightly whenever a man of God opens up his pulpit to me. It's an awesome responsibility. And I just, I, I want to just thank him for the opportunity to be here this morning. You know, this, this place holds a special significance in my spiritual journey with the Lord. I've never been a member here, but I have attended several events here. I used to come every year when Perry Stone would come and hold the days of all camp meeting and 
And one of those years when Perry Stone was here, I was in a dry spell in my spiritual walk. You know, we all go through that dry spell where we just can't feel the Lord and we just, we just don't know what's going on. And, and Perry made an altar call in that service and he said, is there anybody here who, who are just going through a dry spell and you haven't felt the touch of the Lord in a long time? He said, I want you to come down to this altar. And the altar began to feel full of people and, and I walked over and I put my head against that post right there and I began to pray and I want to tell you the Spirit of God fell in this place and it was just an awesome move of the Lord and I began to speak in tongues and the Lord just give me a time of refreshing, praise God. And let me tell you, we're in a day today when we need a time of refreshing. We're in a day today when we need the Lord more than we've ever needed Him before, praise God. I'm telling you, the church needs a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost, praise God. Because I'm telling you, the day is fixing to come, hallelujah, when the Lord is calling to take us home. I feel it in my spirit that God has been, that the, that the day is coming when God's going to come and take me to a place that He's prepared for me, hallelujah. Because he promised me in this word that if he left, that if he left, that he would go prepare a place for me. And if he went to prepare a place, that he would come again and receive me unto himself to where he is, I may be also, praise God. Let me tell you, I can't wait for that day. I'm getting anxious for a home that I've never seen before. Hallelujah. And that promise wasn't just for me, but that promise is for you, praise God. That promise is for anyone who will ever call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The Bible says it's to you, to your children and to your children's children and whomsoever the Lord our God shall call, praise God. There's coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to split that eastern sky and the clouds are going to part, praise God, and he, the trumpet's going to blow and He's going to call His children home. Hallelujah. Praise God. I was sitting back there in the pastor's office before service and I was studying and praying and all of a sudden a train whistle blew and I jumped up out of that chair. And I thought, that could have been the trumpet. One day, there's going to be a trumpet. And it's going to happen just that quick. We're not going to expect it. And I want to tell you, Tony, I believe with all my heart that day's coming. I believe with all my heart that day is drawing close. I believe we're getting ready to have the biggest family reunion you've ever seen, praise God. And there's going to be a guest speaker that speaks that day, and it's going to be Jesus Christ, hallelujah. And the only sermon that you're going to need to hear that day will be, well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord, hallelujah. How I long to hear that. How I long to hear that. There's no sadder words in all of history than the words that Jesus will say when He says, Depart from me, for I never knew you. That breaks my heart to even think that there's going to be people who thought they were right. And then to hear those words, it burdens my soul. And when I look around today and I, and I see the things happening in this world and, and I see our great nation and how this nation has turned its back upon God and, and I see the perversions and the abominations being paraded in our streets without any kind of shame and, and I see Christians that are criticized and persecuted for standing up against evil and I look across the world and I see ISIS and, and I see how, how they're trying to take over the world by jihad and I see them getting more powerful every day and I see the sin and 
I see the wickedness and I see all these things and I begin to get discouraged and I begin to get downhearted about the shape that this world is in. But when I begin to get like that, I find hope in the scripture that says when you see these things begin to happen, lift up your head because your redemption draweth nigh. I'm telling you it's time the church begins to lift up their head because your redemption is drawing nigh. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You know, the Lord spoke something to me some time back. And this is what He spoke to me. It was very clear. I went and wrote it down. The Lord spoke to me. He says, my people need to learn how to completely trust me in the turmoil of the last days and how to stand strong in the midst of adversity. He said, my people need to learn to trust me in the last days and stand strong in the midst of adversity. And so I believe before that great day comes, I believe that the Lord is going to do a serious shaking upon this earth. In fact, the Bible tells us that the Lord is going to shake the earth. I believe that there's going to come a time of sifting that's going to separate the wheat from the tares. That's going to separate the sheep from the goat. That's going to separate the Christians from the Sunday morning only Christians. I believe there's going to come a sifting upon this earth. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 34, that righteousness exalts a nation. That's why this nation became so great. That's why it became the greatest nation on this planet. Because our forefathers believed upon Jesus Christ. Their faith was centered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they got the righteousness of God imputed unto them. And righteousness exalted this nation. But you read the rest of that verse and it says, But the nation's sin will bring reproach. The nation's sin will bring reproach. It says in Psalm 9, 17, That the wicked shall be turned into hell along with the nation that forgets God. It says the nation that forgets God will be turned into hell. Our nation, as great a nation as it has been, has forsaken their God. Judgment must come to a nation that forsakes God because God is a just and a holy God and God cannot overlook sin and it's not just going to be this nation that gets shaken the Bible says that God is going to shake the whole earth in these last days so that those things which cannot be shaken will remain praise God and through this shaking that's going to happen I believe God is going to wake some people up in the churches that they'll realize that hour is late and destruction is at hand unless they repent praise God and turn back unto the father when the Bible says that God is going to shake the whole earth so that those things which cannot be shaken will remain, it says that those things that cannot be shaken is the faith and the patience of the saints of God. So if things begin to look bad for the economy, and they will, if, if this nation begins to crumble and at some point it will, don't you dare let fear grip your hearts because God is still on the throne and God is waiting. To, God is going to use this as a time for you, for, for you to gain trust in Him, that you'll learn how to completely trust in Him, that you'll learn how to, how to stand strong in the midst of adversity, praise God, that your faith will grow by leaps and bounds because now is the time that your faith has the greatest potential 
potential for growth than it has ever had. God is wanting to take some people to new levels of their faith. You see, I'm a firm believer that we don't just stay stagnant. I'm a firm believer if we're not going forward, then we're going backward. I'm a firm believer we need to get closer tomorrow than we were today, that we need to step up to new levels of faith, praise God. Now is the time to step up. Now is the time to remain steadfast and immovable in what you believe. Now is the time to be an example of faith, hope, and love to a dark and a dying world. Because let me tell you something, this world doesn't have any hope. This world doesn't have hope. They don't know about the promises of God because they haven't entered into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ that would save their soul, that would turn them away from God's wrath. And this world will never know what true peace is because this world is carnally minded. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 8, it says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, this world cannot enter into the peace of God because this world is not spiritually minded. This world is carnally minded. And the Bible says that a carnal mind will bring death. So because of the carnality of this world, its demise is sure to happen just as Scripture tells us it will. And you know what else Scripture tells us? It says that unless we repent, unless we remove ourselves from partaking in the things of this world, then we too will perish. Because the Bible says in James 4 and 4, it says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And I can't think of any worse place than to become an enemy of an all-powerful God. So this shaking that's going to go on, I believe, is going to serve several purposes. I believe it's going to serve as a warning to this world. I believe it'll serve as a wake-up call for those who have fallen asleep in their Christian walk with God. For those who have become complacent. I believe it will serve as a time for God's people to rise up to new levels of their faith and to begin to spread the evangelization of the gospel of Jesus Christ, praise God, for an end time revival to happen, hallelujah. You see, that th there are people who are wanting to know today that there is some good news with all the bad news we see every day on television, with all the things that are happening around us and people are struggling in their life. They want to know some good news. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news, praise God. And in a world that's full of so much violence and evil as any time in history, it's good to know that you have good news. The good news is there is a way out. The good news is that Jesus Christ loves every one of you very much, praise God. The good news is you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to suffer with the rest of the world. You can enter into the gateway of heaven, hallelujah. And you can spend all of eternity in the presence of an almighty God simply by accepting the atoning death of Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for your sins. That, my friends, is good news. Praise Him this morning. There's good news, hallelujah. Yes, praise God. You see, when this world sees us standing strong in the midst of adversity, they're going to know, they're going to want to know, what is it that they've got? What's different about them? How can they be rejoicing? How can they be singing a song? How can they be worshiping when everybody else is crying and everybody else is mourning? 
What's different about them? You know, I've had people on several occasions, they'll ask me, they say, Billy, how come I never see you in a bad mood? How come you always seem so happy? How come you're always whistling and singing a song? How come you're always, I never see you down? And why is that? And I tell him it's because I know the good news, hallelujah. I know a God that promised me all the great things that he has in store for me. I know a God that cannot lie. I know a God that cannot fail. I know what his word has told me and I believe it and all his promises are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. I know the good news. Praise God. And it's all going to come to pass. Every single word in this book will happen. And I have peace in my heart today. Because I know my eternal destination. I know the end of the story. I've read the end of the book. I know what's going to happen. And so it doesn't matter what goes on in this life. It doesn't matter what happens to me or who does this to me or what's going on. None of that matters because I know the end result. Hallelujah. And there's nothing in this world that can take that peace away from me. You see, my peace doesn't come from the world. The world doesn't give it so the world can't take it away. Hallelujah. My peace lies right here in the word of God from the Prince of Peace himself. And it's a peace that passes all understanding. The world don't understand it, but they know there's something different about him. They see the Lord Jesus inside of you. And I've determined this morning, I don't care. No matter come what may, I'm not going to give in to the ways of this world. I'm not going to give up on my faith in Jesus Christ because my hope, my trust, my faith lies squarely upon Him and Him alone, praise God. And I know He has my best interest at His heart, praise God. He's made plans for me to give me a hope and to give me a future. He's brought me out of every battle I've ever fought victorious. And I'm not afraid of what the enemy can do to me today. I'm not afraid of what mankind can do to me today, what the world can do to me because if my God is for me who can be against me praise God you see you've got to turn that around for yourself this morning you've got to know that in your heart this morning that God is on your side hallelujah if you've entered into that covenant relationship with Jesus Christ you've got to stop worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow you've got to stop worrying about the things that's going on in life. you've got to stop worrying about what they're doing or what they're doing you've got to stop worrying and begin to trust God that he's still on the throne and nothing in this world takes him by surprise and he is more than able to deliver you out of every one of your troubles he will bring you out Praise the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. You see, but the problem is there's a lot of people that don't want out. As strange as that may seem, there's people that don't want deliverance. Sure, they want relief from their problems. They want relief from the circumstances of life. You see, you see uh, years ago when, when the Lord delivered me from drinking and drugs and, and I opened up a, a ministry to begin to minister to those who were, who were drug addicts and alcoholics, I learned that there's some people who don't want to be delivered. They want relief from their situation. They want relief from the pain and the hurt. But they don't want deliverance. Because in order to have and to maintain deliverance, you have to make a commitment. 
You can't just talk about doing the right things and never commit to doing them. You can't just have somebody pray a prayer for you and expect it to be okay without you changing the way you're living. You have to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ that you're going to be obedient to His holy word, praise God. That you're going to live a life that's holy and acceptable and pleasing to God as a living sacrifice. And if you will do that, I promise you, I promise you God will deliver you from every single affliction in your life. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 19 that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. But you know what the rest of the verse says? But God. <laughs> but God will deliver them out of them all. Hallelujah. He is your deliverer this morning. And deliverance is not temporary. Relief is temporary. Relief can come from various means. You can get relief through a lot of different ways. Relief is but for a brief period of time, praise God. But deliverance can only come through Jesus Christ and deliverance can last forever because the Bible says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. And I'm free this morning, praise God. Is there anybody in the house that wants some more freedom in their life? Do you want to be free, praise God? Is there anybody that wants to be delivered from the enemy? Is there anybody that wants the strength to stand in these last days? Is there anybody that wants to see their lost loved ones get saved this morning? Is there anybody who wants to be used as a tool in the hands of the master? Is there anybody who wants to, to, to be a part of the Lord's army? Is there anybody that wants a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit? Is there anybody in here like that? Well, if there is, I've got one more question for you. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it do you want it bad enough to change the way you're living to lay down everything that holds you in bondage to lay aside everything that gets between you and your time with the Lord do you want it bad enough to surrender your leisure time over to God and begin to do the things that he wants you to do like reading this word every day like consecrating yourself with fasting, like praying without ceasing. And let me tell you, prayer is not just a one-way communication. Sometimes in our prayer time, we need to get quiet and listen to the voice of the Lord speak to us. Sometimes we've got to listen for that voice of God and we've got to get determined that we're going to do whatever it takes, praise God, that we're going to make a commitment to the Lord, that we're not going to give up until we hear from heaven, hallelujah. Are you willing to do that this morning? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get into the presence of God? Because that's going to be the key to deliverance. That'll be the key to your breakthrough. That'll be the key to your healing. That'll be the key to your provision. That'll be the key to tapping into the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. It's all in that one question how bad do you want it how bad do you want it do you want it just occasionally when you want to be lifted up or do you want to say God I don't want to live a single moment without your presence upon me you see the scripture where it says those who hunger and thirst shall be filled that word filled there in the Greek, it literally means to be filled to the point of your hunger. So in other words, if I'm hungry for an Oreo cookie, I'm going to get an Oreo cookie. But if I'm hungry for 
a hundred bags of Oreos. I'm going to get a hundred bags of Oreos. God will fill you to the point of your hunger. It depends how hungry are you. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? You see, modern day Christians have seemed to have slipped off into this comfortable Christianity where all we want to do is say these little patty cake prayers and, and, and everything's going to be all right. I want to tell you this morning, church, it's time that we live in this day and age. It's time that, we, that the little patty cake prayers ain't going to cut it anymore, praise God. We've got to get on our knees and we've got to cry out to God in desperation with tears flowing down our faces and we can't get back up until we hear from heaven, hallelujah. You've got to get desperate for God. You've got to push in. You've got to reach in and grab a hold. We've got to make a war room inside of our house where we can go and get into the presence of God. You know, when I seen that movie, The War Room, when it first came out, it so inspired me to step up my prayer life. And I took and I cleaned a closet out in, in my bathroom and I made that my war room. And last week, I was busy working on the roof at the campground, the state office down there, and every evening I'd come in, I was exhausted, and I'd fall asleep on the couch, and I'd get up, and I'd go to bed, and I neglected that prayer time. And that happened for a couple of days. And I walked in the bathroom on Thursday evening, and that closet door was wide open. It hadn't been open in two days. I didn't, I always leave that door shut, but it was standing open. And I felt the Spirit of God calling me into that war room. And he pulled me in there, and I went in, and the Spirit of God fell upon me. And I'm telling you, God, it was unlike anything I felt. We've got to get back to that. Every day, we've got to get in our prayer closet. Every day, we've got to get into the presence of God, and we've got to get filled back up with the Spirit of the living God. We've got to set aside a time every day. God, I'm going to meet you there every day, praise God. We've got to get back to having our altars full of people praying through until the Holy Ghost falls. You don't see that in churches anymore. The churches have forsaken their altars. And they wonder why they don't have any power. It's because they don't pray through. In 1 Kings chapter 18, there's a wonderful story about how Elijah defeated all the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And it talks about how Elijah prayed this simple prayer to God. And it says that fire fell down from heaven. And not only did it consume the sacrifice, but it consumed all the wood that the sacrifice was on. Not only did it do that, it consumed the very rocks that the altar was built out of. Not only did it do that, it consumed hundreds of gallons of water that had been poured over the whole thing. The fire was so great. How did Elijah have such a close relationship with God that God would answer such a simple prayer in such a powerful way? I'll tell you why, because in 1 Kings 18.30, it says that Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. That's where our churches are at today. Their altars are broken down. People's homes, there is no altar. 
And we've got to get back to that place. God's people needs to repair the altars of the Lord. Hallelujah. Not just the altars in the churches, not just the altars in their homes, but the altar that's right here in their heart. We've got to repair the altar of the Lord that's been broken down. And if we'll do that, we'll begin to see the power of God fall again. Hallelujah. We've got to get back to praying like it's a life and a death situation. And we can't get back up until we hear from heaven. We've got to see the fire of God fall again in our churches. Praise Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Let the fire fall, God. Let the fire fall, Lord. God, I'm asking you, God, Father, in this place, God, in Pulaski Church of God, if these people here, God, let the fire fall in their homes, God. Let the fire fall in their hearts, God. Father, just like Moses said, I'm crying out to you, God, show us your glory. Hallelujah. Show us your glory, God. Show us your glory. If we repair the altars, God will show us the glory. And worship, worship, that's what it's about. That's what it's about, church. You see, the word worship, it's actually derived from two words. It's worth-ship. It's ascribing worth to something or someone. So when we worship God, we're ascribing worth to God. We're saying that He's worthy because He is worthy. He's the only one in the universe that's worthy. He's the creator of everything you see, the creator of everything you can't see, praise God. And He alone has the power to judge the nations. Revelation 14, 7 says, Fear God and give glory to Him. For the hour of His judgment has come and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. It says to fear Him. It says to worship Him. Give Him glory. Hallelujah. He's coming back, church. He's coming back to judge the whole earth, to judge His creation. And let me tell you, church, there is a reckoning day coming when every person here will stand before a living God and give an account of what you've done. Everyone here. You're either going to choose to serve him or you're going to choose to serve the enemy in your flesh. There's no in-between. The Bible says, choose this day, this day whom you will serve. Make a commitment. You're either going to serve the Lord or you're going to serve the desires of your flesh which will give the place to the devil in your life. Do you know... Since you are a created being, that you will always be subject to your creator. You know, the Bible says that we're all slaves. The Bible says that we will always be slaves. It says in Romans 6, 16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, that you are that one slave whom you obey? Whether it's sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. So you're either going to be a slave to sin, which will bring death, or you're going to be a slave to obedience, which brings righteousness. I don't know about you, but to me, it's a no-brainer. When you look at the outcome, when you see the end result, one leads to death and eternal death, and one leads to life, praise God. And it's not just life, but it's abundant life. It's eternal life, hallelujah. It don't get any better than that. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross, He took the punishment for your sin that was death, and He put it upon Himself, praise God. And in return for that, He gives you His righteousness. 
So that when you accept what he done, you confess your sins and you repent, then the Father of all glory doesn't see your sin anymore. When he looks down upon you, he doesn't see that mess you was in. And the enemy will try to accuse, accuse you to him. And the enemy will say, oh, oh you, you know that, uh, that uh, drug addict. And, and the Lord says, who are you talking about? Oh, oh you know that, that, uh, that alcoholic. The Lord says, I don't know who you're talking about. The Lord says, oh, you know that one standing there preaching at Pulaski Church of God. He says, oh, that's my boy. He don't remember none of that stuff in the past, praise. God. He puts it all away in the sea of forgetfulness. What a trade. Hallelujah. What a marvelous trade. What more can you ask for? That is one of those reasons he's worthy of our worship. Praise God. Praise his name. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Glory to God. Psalm 95.6 says this. It says, oh, come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, the one who created your soul, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who gave your mortal bodies life is the one who's worthy of your worship. You know, that's the only thing that God does not own. The Bible says that he owns the whole earth and the fullness thereof. There's one thing he doesn't own until you give it to him. and That's your worship. That's your praise. Your adoration. And we are commanded to worship God in Scripture. Luke 4 and 8, when Jesus was tempted by Satan and he rebuked Satan, he reminded him of the Scripture that said, You shall worship the Lord your God and you, Him only shall you serve. So we're, we're commanded to worship God in Scripture. But it's not just, it's not a demand to where God's a dictator and He's standing over saying, You need to do this. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's a only a demand in that all of God's moral laws are demand. You see, God tells us not to murder someone. And it's not because He's a dictator and we gotta, we gotta do what He says, but it's because it's in our best interest not to murder someone. It's, it's morally right. And it's the same way when we worship God and the Bible commands us to worship God is because it's in our best interest to do so. It's the same way when we worship God. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus gave his inaugural speech at Nazareth. And he read from, the, from a prophecy in Isaiah 61. And the Bible says this. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. And when he began to read this in Luke chapter 4, he stood up in verse 21. He said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so he was saying this scripture in Isaiah was all about himself. And the great part about the prophecy is what the rest of it says. He says, he will console those who mourn. He will give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. And I want you to get this last part. It says he gives you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise for the spirit. Do you know what the spirit of heaviness is? It's depression. Simply put, that's what the spirit of heaviness is. Where the enemy just continually oppresses you. And he causes you to get down. He causes you to get depressed. And it seems like everything's falling apart. And you can't find a way out. The Bible says that's a spirit of heaviness. It's a spirit. And let me me tell you something church I don't care how full of the Holy Ghost you are if you begin to allow that spirit of heaviness to come over you it will take over your life it will control your thoughts it will control your actions until it ultimately possesses your whole being and it cripples you but the Bible plainly says what to do 
when we recognize that spirit trying to come upon us, Jesus says he gives you a garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. So when you feel that spirit of depression trying to attach itself to you, you lift up your hands and you begin to praise and you begin to worship your creator and that spirit will leave, praise God. When you put on that garment of praise, the enemy will leave you alone. He has to, he doesn't have a choice because the Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That word inhabits means he literally comes down upon you. He comes and sits with you, praise God. He, he dwells with you when you begin to praise him. So when you open up your mouth and you begin to praise your God, God himself will come down from heaven and he will inhabit your praise. And when the king of glory arrives, the enemy leaves. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, the one thing the enemy will fight you over more than anything else is your praise. He will fight you over your praise more than any. He hates to hear you praise God. And one of the things he loves to use to keep you from praising God is that he'll, he'll accuse you. He'll remind you of all your failures. He'll remind you of the sin. He'll remind you of what you've done this morning. He'll remind you of all those things. And he'll tell you you're not worthy to pray. You're, how can you praise God? You're a worthless sinner. He'll remind you of all those things. You see, that's the number one lie the enemy uses is to keep people out of the presence of God. And he, he can use that for everybody because everybody messes up. We all do something from time to time that we should and do everybody will fall at some point and he uses that against you to accuse you and the guilt and the shame will keep you out of the presence of God you see the enemy likes to tell you that God's mad at you he uses that human emotion that we all have because what do we do if someone's mad at us we avoid them if my brother Jeremy, if I've done something and, and he's really, really mad at me and, and I walk into Walmart and I see him going down the aisle, I'm going to turn and go the other way. I'm going to avoid that confrontation because I know he's mad. And the devil uses that emotion against us. He convinces us through guilt and shame of sin that God is mad at us. And so we don't praise him like we should. We don't begin to pray and worship him like we should because we feel that we're not worthy. You see, I've learned the tricks of the enemy over the years. And I found out whenever I do slip up and do something that I shouldn't do, I'm not going to sit around and listen to the voice of that enemy whisper condemnation in my ear. No, sir, no, ma'am. What I do is I immediately fall upon my knees and I begin to pray to God and I say, God, forgive me for my sin Lord God Father let your mercy that endures forever be upon me God let your grace be sufficient O Lord and I believe the scriptures when it tells me if we confess our sins that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness hallelujah and after I prayed I want that old enemy gone I don't want to listen to that voice anymore so what I do is I lift up my voice and I begin to praise the Lord I begin to worship God I begin to sing praises unto him I don't care where I'm at I begin to worship God and you know what happens the enemy disappears that voice gone praise God you know why that is it's because the enemy knows that your praises is going to bring the king of glory down and he don't want to be there when Jehovah shows up. Hallelujah. The darkness of the enemy has no fellowship with the light of the glory of God. So your praises puts a ringing alarm in Satan's ears. He knows that God is coming. You know, the Lord showed me that one time that the word praise, P-R-A-I-S-E, stands for putting ringing alarms in Satan's ears. He knows that Jehovah is about to show up. And you begin to praise Him with everything that's in you. You begin to worship God. I'm telling you, He will show up. Hallelujah. And the enemy will leave. 
So when I refuse to listen to that voice of the enemy and I don't allow my flesh to dominate my thinking, I get control of my thoughts and I give God my highest praise that I can give Him right out loud, then that's when I'm able to enter into the glorious presence of an almighty Savior. And at that time when the presence of God falls, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world matters. When you have the Spirit of God fall upon you, there is nothing in this world that can get on your mind at that time. Nothing else matters but His presence. Psalm 104 says to enter into His gates with thanksgiving, enter into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His holy name. You know what I believe? I honestly believe that we fight a lot of battles in this life that we don't have to fight. I honestly believe that. I'm convinced we waste a lot of our time and a lot of our energies fighting a lot of battles when sometimes all we need to do is lift our voice up to God and begin to worship Him and He will fight the battles, praise God. Hallelujah! The battle belongs to God. You know, there's a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to read this story and I'm going to close. But it talks about a great multitude of people. And in this great multitude of people, they're all coming against the nation of Judah and they're going to destroy this nation. Little bitty Judah against a great multitude of people. And the king of Judah, King Jehoshaphat, he proclaimed a fast in all the land of Judah. And when all the people were gathered together, Jehoshaphat prayed a prayer to the Lord and he asked for deliverance from his enemies. The Lord answered Jehoshaphat's prayer. And beginning at verse 15 in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, this is what the Lord said. He said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeriel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So that's what Jehoshaphat did. He went out to go to the battlefield. But he's done something very strange on the way to the battle. He didn't put all of his armor bearers and his biggest, fightest, best fighting men out on the front lines. You know what he done? He put the praise team out front. He put the worshipers out front to confront the enemy first with praise. The story goes on in verse 21. It says, Jehoshaphat said, in verse 21, it says, When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. And who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And they were singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And the praise team went out before the army went out to go fight against the enemy with nothing in their hands but praise in their mouth. And it says that when they begin to sing and when they begin to praise the Lord, right when worship began to happen, 
It says the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were all defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So that when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were all the dead bodies falling upon the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. When they began to praise God, not only did he fight their battle for them, but he blessed them with so many valuables it took them three days to carry it home. So what kind of battle are you facing today? What kind of hopeless situation do you have in your life? Is it worse than what Jehoshaphat faced? They were facing utter destruction. There was no way they stood a chance against such a huge army. But God. <laughs> but God. God made a way where there was no way. Hallelujah. The Bible says when they begin to praise and when they begin to worship the Lord, He said ambushes against their enemies and He fought the battle for them. All they had to do was show up and take the rewards of the victory. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, God is in this place this morning to fight your battle for you. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever situation you're struggling with, God will fight the battle for you. But you've got to praise Him. You've got to worship Him. When you begin to put on that garment of praise, that spirit of heaviness will leave praise God and he will deliver you somebody praise God in this place hallelujah yes praise you Lord so I, I want to end this service with praise because the end of this service is not the end it's the beginning you got to go out there and face the real world when you go out there, the problems are still going to be there. The things that were there, it's still going to be there. But if you'll praise and worship God, He'll deliver you from every affliction. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you know the time in which you're living? Do you know where we're at on the prophetical timeline of history? I could take you through the book of Revelation and Daniel and a couple other prophets and I could show you that everything you're seeing on the news is prophesied in Scripture. When you look across the, the, the ocean, you see the thing that's going on with Russia and Ukraine. All that is setting the stage exactly how the Bible said it would happen. This world is fixing to get wrapped up. Jesus Christ is fixing to come. Are you ready for that day? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you a question this morning.